assembly. John and Carmen uh, attend here with our grandchildren, but Joel and Julie and those grandchildren attend Grace Assembly where Julie is children's pastor, Carmen's the school administrator here. So uh, when I'm in town, which isn't very often, we go back and forth and uh, we have two home churches. We believe God has incredible things in store for Word of Life. I believe with all of my heart that there is a harvest coming and transformation in our communities through spirit-filled churches as we are open to what God wants to do in our midst. Um, I have a, a prayer team of superintendents, denominational superintendents, Southern Baptist, Nazarene, Church of God, IFCA, Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, a number of others, probably anywhere between eight and 10. We meet uh, by video prayer once a month uh, when we're not traveling, it's kind of a scattered schedule, but all of us, every one of these superintendents or executive directors are praying for move of the Spirit of God across New York. Every one of us. Uh, I heard my, my dear friend Terry uh, praying, God, by your Spirit, move across our state. And I believe with all of my heart that there is another great awakening coming. And so I in invite you, church, in your daily devotional times to pray that God by his Spirit would move across our state. Because if we will be the church alive, thriving, and on fire, uh, our communities will be transformed, our cultures will change, and uh, God is going to do incredible things. He has that desire. We can break the powers of darkness through prayer so that he can be free to do what he wants to do. I have a prayer for, uh, and a dream for the New York Ministry Network, 350 plus churches and 850 plus ministry families credential holder families, and that is that we would not be 350 isolated faith communities across the state, but we would be one family, serving the Lord together in faith and faithfulness, believing together, serving each other, encouraging each other. And if we can do that, if we can get what God is doing inside the walls, outside the walls, and we can serve each other, I believe our state uh, will be changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? How many of you have ever uh, been in a waiting room? How many of you like being in a waiting room? I think the only one who likes being in a waiting room is that lady on the commercial that likes sitting in gum, you know? <laughs> you, you gotta be crazy to, to like waiting rooms. Bev and I, when we pastored in New York City, Bev had a doctor's appointment. We tried to be early for doctor's appointments. It was somewhere mid-afternoon, two, three o'clock, and we got there early, and uh, we were talking about what was gonna happen. You know, you look at the magazines, some of them recent, some of them 10, 20 years old. Um, so we were there by three, five o'clock comes, and we're still sitting, and six o'clock, seven o'clock, nine o'clock, I think it was sometime between nine and 10, wasn't it, Bev, when you finally got called in? If you would have taken my temperature, I would have blown the end of the thermometer out. I was hot. I was livid. I was ready to send a bill to the doctor for my wasted time. I think all of us assume that when we're sitting in a waiting room, a doctor's waiting room, a hospital waiting room, a dentist, if you get in the wrong line at the supermarket, 
if you're in the wrong line at the toll booth and you have to, I mean, all of us, we can, maybe not all of us, I'm, I'm confessing. I get a little anxious when uh, I have to wait longer than I want to wait. But you know, when I'm in God's waiting room, that's where he does his best work. That's where he works on my life. That's where he does the examination. Frequently, that's where he does surgery. That's where he prepares me and prepares you for the next leg of the journey. God's waiting room. I don't think it's any place that any of us want to uh, sign up for, right? We don't want to be in God's waiting room. But it is where God does his best work. It's where we learn faith. It's where our commitment is tested. Listen to Habakkuk chapter 2. This is Living Bible Translation. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue by a single day, says the Lord. And then from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. The Bible is full of examples of individuals who have been in the waiting room. Individuals who have had promises given and the answer didn't come right away. It took time for those answers to unfold. Uh, we can look at David, and we'll be taking some time with David's life this morning where he was anointed to be king, but it was some time before he became king. We see that Daniel, it took time before he was fully delivered. Jonah, Jonah's a, a great example of being in God's waiting room and not getting the results necessarily that we want. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh, hated them. And uh, his waiting room, though, is probably different from yours. It, it was a little on the smelly side. Even this fish got sick of him and threw him up on the shore. You can imagine him going into Nineveh, preaching hellfire and brimstone, judgment from God, and they repented and turned to the Lord, and Jonah was ticked. He was angry with God because they repented because they did what God said they would do. Jonah, to me, is an incredible example that when we're in God's waiting room, we don't always come out the way we should. It's up to us as to how we're going to come through the process of waiting on the Lord. And so I would tell you, and all of us probably have either at one time or another, and maybe this morning, in God's waiting room, and how you progress through that waiting room is up to you. It's going to be determined by your choices and decisions, by the attitude and by how you view your walk with the Lord. Abraham, he was in God's waiting room. He was promised to have a son. Now, the example of Abraham is not that you can have kids when you're 100 years old. That's just flat out scary. <laughs> but that you're never too old and you've never waited too long for God to fulfill his promise. There's also an example with Abraham that uh, if your dreams die, as his was going to when Isaac was on the altar, that God is able to rescue 
even dead dreams that he's put in your heart. The 120 had to wait until the Holy Spirit was outpoured. Jesus told them to wait, to tarry. Joseph, Joseph had a dream. He told his brothers, kind of flaunted it before them. They sold him into slavery. I mean, that would be depressing in itself when he was thrown in the pit and he heard them trying to talk about whether they were going to kill him or sell him, and they sold him. Then he goes to Potiphar's house and he's falsely accused. He never laid a hand on Potiphar's wife, and he is sent to prison I mean, if there were reasons to be bitter and angry and resentful, Joseph had them, and if he had been bitter and angry and resentful, he never would have been remembered before Pharaoh, and we wouldn't know who he is. He would have rotted and died in that prison. But the reality was, when he was unjustly accused and falsely imprisoned, that he spent his life pouring into others who were there and serving them. And when the appropriate time came, God used that to fulfill his dream and vision. So I ask you, if you're in a Joseph situation, how are you going through your trial, your imprisonment, your series of challenges that you're facing? Because it's going to determine how you come out at the other end. The disciples had to wait, it was only a few days from the time in the garden until Jesus rose from the dead, but they had no idea what was coming. They knew what he said, but they couldn't understand what that meant. God's waiting room. He does his best work there. Does his best work on me there. He does his best work on you there. So there are some key things, six key things that I want to share with you. I'm only going to take about 30 minutes per point, so you're in good shape this morning. First, waiting brings renewal. From Isaiah chapter 40, you know the passage, we're strengthened when we wait. Why do you complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel, saying, God has lost track of me? He doesn't care what happens to me? Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. And you know the passage. It says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, their mount up with wings as eagles. God knows who you are. He knows the number of hair on our head. For Pastor Randy, that's really easy. (laughs) He knows what we need. He knows what we need before we ask. He knows what we're going through. There has never been a time that God put his hand to his face and said, oh, myself, where did that come from? Some of you, it'll take you a while to get that. He's never been caught off guard. He knows where you are and he knows what you need. He loves you enough to give you what you need more than what you want. Can I say that again? He loves you enough to give you what you need more than what you want. And sometimes the best thing to build our faith is the wait. Just wait. Secondly, God's timetable isn't always my timetable. Probably not your timetable. My timetable moves pretty fast. If the microwave doesn't work fast enough, (laughs) you got it. Psalm 90, verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. 2 Peter 3, 8, don't be forgetful of this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Wow. 
I, I view time from a, a, in a linear perspective. I'm a, our whole family, Bev included, we're all football crazy. We love football. Uh, when we pastored outside of Cleveland, the head coach of the Browns was a part of our congregation. Our Sunday night service, if the Browns won on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night was a rip snorter. It was a great service. If the Browns lost on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night was like a wet blanket. It was, it was tough. Uh, Browns were the only ones with perfect season this year, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going there. I, I look at life like a, a timeline of football. You, you're moving down from the yard markers of time, segments of life that we're living. But God's perspective is different from our perspective. God doesn't see it from the 50-yard line. God sees our lives and sees time from the end zone. He sees all time at the same time. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. He knows what's coming before we ever start. He knows the outcome. That should give me encouragement that God is not surprised by what I'm facing because his perspective of time is different than mine. It puts things in a different perspective. The 700 years between Malachi and Matthew becomes less than a day to God. And the time of Israel's captivity is just a blip on the timeline of God's economy. God's timing and my timing are different. And I need to understand that if I'm in God's waiting room. I can be very anxious over something that I ought not to be anxious for. Philippians 4, 6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concern. Before you know it, God's sense of wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Can you say amen? amen. I don't have to be anxious about tomorrow because I know he's already there. Third point, how, how do I wait? I wait actively. Now David could have pulled up a, a lawn chair and poured himself a lemonade and said, you know what, I'm going to just sit and wait until God makes me king. You know the story, right? Samuel is told by God to go and, and find the, the next king to replace Saul. Samuel's scared silly about Saul because he figures he's going to kill him if he tells him what he's going to do. And the Lord tells him, just tell him you're going to go and you're going to bring sacrifice. So Samuel goes into the city and all the elders of the city are afraid of the man of God. They're afraid of Samuel. They're afraid of what he's bringing into this. It's amazing the stuff that scares us and the people that scare us, even when we're on God's mission. Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He sees the brothers. He sees these handsome-looking dudes like Pastor Jeremiah and strong and vibrant. And, and he thinks, you know, one of these guys is, is the selection for, uh, for king. And God says, no. And he goes to Jesse. He says, is there anybody else? Yeah, it's just the kid who's walking through sheep pucky out in the field and smells like dirty sheep 
They bring David in, and that's God's choice. Can I suggest to you that God may ask you to do something that you don't feel qualified for? And there may be people who will tell you you're not qualified for it. I had a hall counselor when I first left engineering school and went to uh, Central Bible College. Uh, My first year, Mike said to me, he said, I don't think you have what it takes to make it in the ministry. He, he may have been right. He said, I, I think you need to go back to engineering because you'll never cut it. But I knew God put a call on my life. And there may be things that God speaks to your life and things that God asks you to do that you may not feel or others may say, you know, forget it, that'll never happen to you. I mean, you? Really? You see, God sees you differently than you see you. God sees where he's going to take you. He doesn't see you where you are now. He doesn't keep you in that box of the way you are today. I'm so great. Where's Ashley? Ashley, are you here someplace? Who is? Give her a round of applause. Ashley, God's not going to leave you where you are today, let alone where you were months ago. Aren't you glad? (laughs) Amen. He sees us where he wants to take us and what he wants to do on us. Man looks on the outward, God looks on the heart. God looks at what he can do through us and what he's going to do through us. Big difference between David and Joseph. Joseph had a dream and he went and he said, hey, you know what? Dad and mom, bros, you're all going to bow down before me. He flaunted it. You know, it was what God told him. Might I suggest to you that you don't always need to tell everybody and everything that God says to your heart too soon. Now, God used that to bring all of his will to pass, to be sure. But there are some of the things that God speaks to your heart and my heart that we need to do like Mary did in Luke chapter 2, where we hold them and ponder them in our heart and we don't publicly throw them out there. Frequently what that does, that just brings more persecution and more, more issues. And it's perceived frequently as being an ego trip. How, how important am I going to be to God? I believe that God helps us in the things that he speaks to us when we keep them and ponder them in our heart and we hold on and do not let go. Whatever he's asked you to do, don't let go of it. David, what did he do? He went back to tending the sheep. He went back to doing what God called him to do. He was actively uh, waiting for what God had in store for him. He was serving, he was doing everything that he had done in the past, and it didn't come right away. If David was a teenager, even an older teenager, say he was about six, 17 years old or so, he was 30 years old when he became king over the first two tribes of Israel, and it was another 17 years before he became king over all of Israel. So. 13 years plus, it was 30 years from the time that Samuel anointed him until he was king over all of Israel. 
I get ticked over two hours. <laughs> two weeks is a lifetime. 30 years? Some of the things that God has spoken to you folks, spoken to your heart, they haven't come to pass yet. And you're thinking because it's been a couple of weeks or a couple of years that it's not going to happen. And I would tell you that God is faithful and God is true. Don't quit and don't give up. So David, he gave it time. But he actively served the Lord. It wasn't a matter that God was trying to get ready to do what he promised to do in David. He was getting David ready to do what God wanted him to do. If David had, at age 17, walked into Jerusalem with a sign on both sides that said, here I am, I'm your new king, he wouldn't have made it 24 hours. He would have been done. And he wasn't ready to lead the nation of Israel. He didn't have the skills, the capability, the wisdom, the experience to lead the nation. God planted a seed in a teenager, but he didn't bring it to pass until he was 30 years old or 47 years old. He had work to do in his kid. He's still got work to do in me, and I suspect that he still has work to do in you. He's not done with any of us yet, right? There's still work that has to be done. So David continued to do what God had called him to do. He had continued to be busy. He was serving. He was doing what his hand found to do, and he did it with joy. Can I, I tell you that that's a key aspect of fulfilling the promises of God, and even if you're in God's waiting room? I mean, anybody can be happy on a 75-degree day with a gentle breeze, a lemonade, or an iced tea in your hand sitting by the side of a swimming pool. You can say, you know what, this is good. Life is good. It's something else to have joy when you've been diagnosed with cancer or when you've lost your job or when there's been a death in the family or when there's an accident or some crisis has come. That's when the joy of the Lord is really manifest. That's that deep river that flows through us. No, it's not song and dance. Woo-woo, everything's good. But it is there that calm assurance and undergirding that I can have the joy of the Lord as my strength even when there's a storm on the surface of the waters that we sang about earlier. He is the God who can calm the winds and the waves. First, he needs to do it in my own heart. So we wait patiently for what God wants to bring to pass, and, and we do it with joy. It may not be politically correct. It may not make sense to anyone else, but it is how God wants us to live. He has called us to be committed to righteousness and to live our lives filled with joy, and that in turn brings him joy. The reality is that if I live to make God happy, I'm probably going to be happy too. If I live to make God happy, I'm probably going to be happy too. So David was busy waiting to be king. All the time that he was busy, God was preparing him for what he had called him to be when he was a teenager. 
Fourthly, David trained leaders. He invested himself in other people while he was waiting. He didn't withdraw. Some of us, when we have a promise from God and it doesn't come to pass, we pull back and we turn in and we close up and we keep everybody out, which is really not God's plan or purpose or design for us. What David did is a wonderful example. He invested himself in other people. You can see in uh, 1 Samuel 27, he raised up those mighty men of valor at Ziklag, the Philistine city. He led them, he taught them, he instructed them. They were just a small group. They weren't a mighty army. They were just a handful of guys who, they were a, a life group, Pastor Jeremiah. They were a life group. Guys who liked to hang out and talk about the Lord and talk about what God had planned for them. And they caught David's heart. They caught his vision in what God had called them to do and what God had called them to be. And he trained them. He invested himself in them. And I think for any of us who are in God's waiting room, investing our lives in the lives of others becomes a valuable part of what God wants to do in us. So instead of waiting to be king or moaning about the fact that he wasn't king yet, he invested his life into the life of those men. He spent time talking to them, he taught them principles, he organized them, he prepared them for battle, he led them into battle, they had some wars to fight, but he wasn't the king. He was just the leader of a bunch of guys. But he was preparing them, administrating them, leading them, but all the time God was preparing him too for what God had him in the waiting room for. Fifthly, God, David didn't try to alter God's timetable. That one's a tough one for us. Because sometimes we can feel like, you know, God just gave me the opportunity to move things along a little bit. Some call it manipulation, some call it assisting the Lord. I can go to the Lord and say, hey God, I've got a great idea. Like I know better than he does. None of you have ever done that. None of you are as dumb as I am, but... You see, David had two opportunities to jump the timeline ahead. The one was in the, in the cave when Saul went to relieve himself, took his coat off, and David's men are there, they're hiding in the cave, and they say, hey, Dave, guess what? God brought him here so that you can kill him, and then you can become king like God promised. David knew in his heart that wasn't the plan of God. He wasn't going to jump the timetable ahead. He wasn't going to take things out of God's hands. He snipped the coat told Saul later, hey, I got a piece of your coat. I could have taken you out, but I didn't. A little bit later, they're on the hill, and the army is asleep, and Saul's asleep, and David and his guys go down, and they pick up the king's water pot and spear, and the guys say, you can put this spear right through Saul's head, pin him to the ground, and you can become king. God put him in your hand. And David said, no, it's not God's time. We can manipulate situations to get out of the waiting room because we're tired of waiting. And every time we do it, we take ourselves out from under the covering of God and out of the timetable and the plan of God and we short circuit what he wants to do in our lives in preparing us for the fulfillment of his dream. So my encouragement to you is if you're frustrated being in the waiting room, learn what God wants you to learn through that frustration. Don't jump the timetable ahead. Follow his schedule because it's the best. Amen?
probably the worst part of this whole thing, is sometimes in God's waiting room, you have to go through persecution. David had to endure persecution while he waited. Saul was after him. If he could have killed him, he would have. You know the, the story, time after time, David had to, to run, uh, had to escape with his life. His wife and then Jonathan uh, both had to protect him from their father who wanted to kill him. It's not always easy being in God's waiting room. Now some would say, you know what, if I'm in the will of God, things should go well. <laughs> I can tell you from the vantage point of the short walk that I've been on, it doesn't always go well. Sometimes cancer comes, sometimes other issues come, sometimes things just go south in a hurry and you have to say, God knows. I'm in his waiting room and there are some things he wants to teach me that are going to prepare me for the next leg of the journey. So when persecution comes, whether it comes from outside or inside, uh, Bev has talked about Christian bullies and it's an oxymoron. There ought not to be Christian bullies, but you know there are some people in the church who can hurt, hurt people hurt people. You know what I'm talking about? None of you have ever experienced that, but there are sometimes the Christians can hurt Christians and it ought not to be. And we can withdraw and we can somehow feel like, God, why? Why are we going through tough times? Why am I suffering? Why is somebody misunderstanding me? Why am I not having everything go right? And it may very well be because you're right where God wants you to be. Amen, ouch, or oh me. But the fact that you're going through a tough time doesn't mean that God has taken his hand off of you or forgotten about you. If you're in God's waiting room, and some of you may be in God's waiting room today, and some of you may, this may be a medicine chest sermon. You put it in the medicine chest and there's gonna be a time that you're gonna feel like you're in the waiting room and you can pull it out and take the meds. But if you're in the waiting room today, I want you to know God hasn't forgotten you. I want you to know that God has a plan for your life and he will fulfill his promises to you and he will not fail. I want you to know that if you're going through tough times of persecution, that God hasn't turned his head and looked the other way. He's gonna give you the strength and the resilience to get through what you're going through today to make it to tomorrow. You may not see the answer in a day or two or 10 or a couple of years. That unsaved loved one, that one that you care so much about, may not come to the Lord tomorrow, but God has told you they're gonna be saved. Don't give up. God may have said, I'm gonna baptize you in my Holy Spirit, and you've been praying and you gave up, and you said, oh man, it's never gonna happen to me. Yeah, it will. Don't quit. You see, God's waiting room is where he makes us what he wants us to be. As much as we hate it, talking with somebody at the coffee counter, we hate waiting. We're impatient. But God does his best work there. And you know what? He's got some work to do on you, and he's got some work to do on me. And if you're in God's waiting room this morning, whether it's a promise that's deferred, there, there's one thing that I want you to remember. If there's one thing that you take from this morning, one phrase that you remember, it's this, delay is not denial.
Say it with me. Delay is not denial. One more time. Delay is not denial. The fact that it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to. It just means it hasn't happened yet. So hold on to the promise of God. Hold on to the promise of God. There's going to be a prayer team here. They're coming in, and we're going to pray. And if you've had a promise given that somehow you put on the shelf and said, uh, maybe not. If you've been discouraged, if you're going through a time of persecution, or if you've known in your heart that God wants you to come to him for a long time and you've been stubbornly resisting, you've been in a really miserable waiting room, can I suggest that you need to go into the good one and let God do the work on you? Would you stand with me? like our prayer team to come. Before you come, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you to come to the, these altars and to allow the Lord to encourage your heart, to allow these wonderful folk who deeply love you to pray God's blessing over you so that you can see the waiting room experience or persecution or challenge that you're in right now is a place that God wants to do something incredible in your life. So Lord Jesus, we bow before you right now, our hearts and our heads, and we say to you, God, we know you've placed things in our heart that are so crucial and important to us and they haven't come to pass yet maybe plans or dreams for ministry or for our family, for the salvation of loved one, for Holy Spirit baptism, for maybe we've been running because we've put ourselves in a miserable waiting room like Jonah did. I pray God this morning, this day, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts and minds to understand that it is in your waiting room that you do your best work. And that, Lord, you can touch and bring to pass your plans for our lives if we walk according to your plan and purpose. So God, help us to understand your time isn't our time. That, Lord, uh, we need to stay busy and active in doing what you've called us to do. That we're not gonna chump the timeline and try to take it on ourselves and we're not gonna quit if things get tough. We're going to serve you, Lord. We're going to let you do your work in us so that you can fulfill your plans for our lives, your will and plans for this church. In Jesus' name. Would you come and while we sing, just allow these folk to pray with you this morning.